Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 28 of the Coach's Journey podcast. It's Robbie here, and in this episode, I am joined by not just one, but two fantastic guests, making it a Coach's Journey first. Um, And those guests are Inga Umblia and Phil Bolton. So when Inga received an innocuous email from a recruitment firm more than 10 years ago, she could never have known the impact it would have on her life. It contained a message from Phil, who um, regular listeners will remember from episode two, um, in which he outlined his strategies for career change. And when Inga took what she describes as the bold step of reaching out to Phil, she set in motion a conversation that over the years that followed um, became filled with ideas, really powerful ideas that that in the end they felt were too powerful not to share with the world. Um, Those ideas um, are made manifest in the work they are doing together on the abundance formula. Um, through which they are offering people the chance to learn what it feels like to live their best life every day. And and they talk about the the qualities of abundance. Uh, So that means a life with joy, ease, connectedness, openness and gratitude and they join me to discuss um the magic that's emerged from their their synergy and their relationship over the years where they've been uh clients colleagues trainer trainee and now business partners um uh we get to talk about trusting your higher self and not letting your mind get in the way um how the sum of our experiences can feel like magic at our fingertips uh, we talk about have a great conversation about shortening the gap. This is a theme in the conversation between when we notice the need for change, uh, or and and when we make it happen. We get into uh, how, of course, how to apply Phil and Inga's abundance formula to growing a coaching practice. And uh, Inga says a beautiful thing about why she feels the abundance formula is really a meta model for pretty much everything um, about human transformation. Phil reached out to me to uh, suggest coming back on the show because he could see um, just how impactful the abundance formula, um, which we get into, of course, in the episode, what that is, um, could be for coaches growing a coaching practice. And there are a few reasons why I jumped at that opportunity. One is that I know Phil and Inga's work individually and separately. I think they're amazing people. Another is I'd seen some of the um, testimonials from the the first, I think, three courses they've run on the abundance formula and just seen some amazing testimonials testimonials about that, people describing transformations in their mindsets, in their lives, in their relationships. Um, but but another was that actually this work in a very embryonic stage before they'd named it the Abundance Formula was really an important part of my journey. So I went along after I decided to train with Phil and the coach training organization he was running. Again, you can listen to hear more about that in episode two, where Phil and I get into his story and talk about the coaching school there. Um, I went along to a workshop they were running and it was a workshop which really in lots of ways was was Phil unpacking ideas of abundance and um, at that event um, Inga was the person I was sitting next to and so we did some coaching there she coached me I coached her and in the coaching she gave me on these ideas of possibility and abundance you know there was a really amazing little um, unlocking for me which as I say in the episode was a big part of me being someone who does make things happen rather than before that being someone who gets trapped a lot more in scarcity and would have ideas but never make them real. And and the idea in question was The Wisdom of David Gemmel, which if you've never checked it out, is a website that I run and one of my absolute favourite things that I've ever made um, about the the, the the philosophy and ideas that run through the work of, of the fantasy novelist, the late fantasy novelist David Gemmel, who's one of my absolute favourite writers. Um, 
so it, you know it's really exciting for me that they are now you know i could i could kind of as soon as they said they were doing this work i could feel that they would be amazing to do this together and and I, that it made total sense to me from that the, they would be doing it now and that it would be being amazingly successful um as we're unpacking this of course though we get into all kinds of of interesting um conversations one of the real benefits is that Inga was originally a client of Phil's. That's how they first met, um, as I already mentioned. And so we get to hear about that enrollment process from many years ago, but still, um, you know, there's a lot of detail in there from both sides. So from Phil's side and from Inga's side as the client. And, and that has got loads of great insight into it. That includes that Phil has a practice of only sending prospective clients like a one-line email in response to their inquiries. And it worked a treat on Inga, and, and, and you can listen out to find out what that is. We also have what I think is the very first conversation on the Coach's Journey podcast about Tony Robbins. And I can't, kind, of, kind of can't believe that's the case, but it's because Inga worked for Tony Robbins' company as part of her journey as a coach. And that's how we start um, this episode. We start by getting into what uh, how Inga came to where she is today. We talk a load in the middle about the abundance formula, and then we tie up at the end, speaking to Phil about what he's been up to since we last spoke. Um, and that's a cool part of the conversation too. So that's all from me. Um, hope you really enjoy this conversation with Inga and Phil um, and uh, take a lot from our discussion about their abundance formula. Phil and Inga, welcome to the Coach's Journey podcast. It's great to be back, Robbie. Lovely to be here. Thanks, Robbie. Nice to be here. Yeah, and you're right, Phil. It should be for you. Welcome back. Hmm. You you were episode two on the pad podcast. This uh, well, let's, this is ris- always risky because sometimes I don't uh, release these episodes in quite the order they're recorded. This will, let's say this will almost certainly be episode twenty eight. So the the journey has continued. Um, but as I said just before we switched on the recording, I was listening back to the interview that we did in November 20 or it came out in kind of November 2019 so we probably recorded it in the autumn of that year and um, it's a great interview for anyone who hasn't listened um, I recommend going back and of course what a lot has happened in the world since November 2019 how um, how innocent of of what might happen we were absolutely yeah that was true um, and Inga, welcome to the show. It's a total um, pleasure to have you here. Um, we've known each other for a few years and we might get into that because there's some little like abundance uh, echoes, I think, in that for me, which is one of the reasons when when we thought that we might, we could possibly have this, this conversation with the three of us, particularly about some work that you two are doing together. And we'll get into that um, as we go. It felt like a really nice thing for me because there's, you know, um, we first met, I think, at a workshop that Phil was running about possibility but uh, which had some real strong echoes i think of the work that you're doing now so very excited to to have you on the show and 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 great to have you here and and maybe ingo we could start as we often do on this um podcast by asking you when you first came across coaching Mm, excellent question and just, uh, I think it's worth noting also that when you and I met, that was also your before. You weren't a coach yet back then. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So it was like, um, I went along to an event um, because uh, as part of, I think I'd already signed up or I was about to, um, to, to do some training with Phil. Um, and it was an event they were running, uh, the coaching school running. And yeah, you were there because you were a recent graduate as part. And, uh, you know, what's what I love about that coaching school um and we've had we've had also had james on the podcast from who was trained at the coaching school um and 
what I love about it is it does feel, I don't know if you feel like this, Phil, it does feel like an incubator for, for, for yeah. amazing people um, and, and partnerships. And Mike and I and Inga, Mike, we're talking about possibly doing some work at the moment. I'm doing some work with Nina O'Farrell on a leadership program that that, that we are working on together. Um, I know that you, Phil, I, it popped up in, um, it went in my little pre-show pre -show research, I've got another new venture with another person from that amazing incubator of a few years. So it that's super cool and i'm glad that we're, we're doing some more of that today yeah and it was it was absolutely it was like it was right on the cusp of coaching for me uh in 2015 june 2015 i had a look and um yeah it's been a journey since then yeah so to come back to your original question um it's kind of an interesting one for me because looking backwards in and sort of in hindsight i came across coaching before i even knew what coaching was so i didn't recognize it when i first saw it and Probably for me, the pivotal moment was, I think I just started in my first job. I was just 21 years old and I was driving my little Ford Fiesta, like halfway across the country to some godforsaken industrial estate to work on an IT project. And one of my colleagues um, gifted me a CD of one of Tony Robbins's personal development programs. And sort of the journeys were long and I was usually traveling sort of ridiculously early and, you know, needed something to keep me awake. So I sort of popped it in and, you know, now I recognize that as a kind of coaching and teaching hybrid. Back then, I just thought it's it's what an amazing thing to invite into my life where somebody who's kind of traveled the journey and learned so much can, with just a few powerful questions without giving the answers really awaken something in me so you know I remember driving along and I'd be like oh oh I you know shout out the answer and you know participating and so that kept me awake maybe even alive um so I'd say maybe coaching saved my life maybe not <laughs> and and uh for to set the scene where was that across the UK or across somewhere else and um which Tony Robbins program was it do you remember I think it was called personal power I think he actually still has it. It has like personal power too now, and he has many, many others. Um, yes, I was, um, I mean, I was born in Latvia, kind of grew up behind the Iron Curtain and then moved to the UK when I was 15. So, and sort of lived here ever since. And then another part of the story where I actually went back three years ago and completely changed my life to live a different lifestyle. Um, but back then, yes, I was working for a consultancy company in the UK, kind of, junior analyst and eventually became a project manager and eventually change management, which has really opened me up to the idea of coaching uh, and becoming aware of it. Uh, but back then I was just, you know, a green little shoot. Yeah. And I wonder, actually, we haven't surprisingly on this podcast in, in, in whatever we're up to 27 episodes or so, there's been very little discussion of Tony Robbins. Um, oh. And I wonder if maybe you could, for someone who at least in that way has, you know, I don't know his work that well, apart from the Netflix documentary, which I watched and having heard some interviews with him, what do you think, like, he has a very special place, an important place in the kind of what we might call, I guess, the personal development world. What do you think it is about him that that captured you then on that drive and kept you awake and, and had that impact? Hmm. Good question. I don't know if you know, I actually worked for the guy for a while. So I coached for his organization. So I kind of have a bit of inside view and the outside view. But way back then, for me, it was the power of the question. And yes, he does have a 
quite, a, I'd say, kind of a, he occupies a specific place on the coaching spectrum in terms of if we think about kind of more holding the space and just uh, being non-directed at one end and being quite directional at the other end, I, I would personally put him more at the directional end. I, th- I think um, that end of the spectrum is actually called the Tony Robbins end. Of the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's the directional and there's the Tony Robbins end, which is another mile out. Um, and he teaches as well. So he doesn't just kind of, in my view, doesn't just kind of stick with the International Coaching Federation definition of coaching. He will, he does take quite a, you know, he's got this incredible mind and he's seems that he's, mapped out all the different patterns of human behavior and kind of created these models in his I don't know mind castle and you can see this from his Netflix documentary he kind of navigates it and he sort of does a few testing questions to land and you know he really is present and works with a person and then he can be quite provocative and he can and for me that feels like that is taking on a lot of responsibility as a coach it's it is quite directive and it is quite um you know, there is a, an element of teaching and mentoring in there as well. So it's kind of a, it's a bit, di- bit different to the standard definition of a coach, I'd say. Yeah. Very powerful. Very powerful. And, and I think you're right. There's something, and I've seen, um, I've seen other people do this in different ways as well. I think there is something that when you've been doing this as long as, as someone like Tony Robbins has, that pattern recognition inside his mind, at least this is what comes across. I'm sure there are times when he misses the mark. And obviously they didn't don't include those in a in a Netflix show. But mm. um to me it felt it, watching that, it reminded me of other people I've seen closer up in, you know, who I've worked with and things like that, who have who have really so much experience of people that their pattern recognition is so good that actually it looks like they're being directive and they're jumping to conclusions, but their kind of presence can yeah. be like it, actually what they're doing is just listening incredibly deeply and seeing things that I can't see because I've only got fifteen hundred hours of working with people, not however many thousands. Tony Robbins or somebody else has. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I've been to all of his, uh, you know, all of not every single one event, but every type of event he holds, I've been to them all as part of my job back then. And I've seen how he interacts live. And I would say there's never been an interaction where it just sort of failed because he's extremely good at picking up the cues from the other person. If he misses with a question, he picks it up immediately and he tries another question. And unless you're really paying attention to his method, you will you you will miss that he missed. Um, so he's very good at kind of being present and continuing to build and try. And oh, that's not that path. Okay, let me back up. Try this path. Yeah. I, in my in my experience and opinion, that is really when you you know walk into masterful coaching. It's extraordinarily powerful when you have that ability to scan what's going on, pick up the cues so quickly, and be really fast in terms of getting into what is actually at the nub of an issue. You, know, you can move mountains in no time at all. So you can see that when when he does hit the mark, it's absolutely on point, and people are transformed. Yeah. And when he doesn't, you're right, and go. There's that ability to quickly pivot and still keep working until you get there, and it speeds things up. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's really you know it's extraordinary to watch. Yeah, yeah, and it, you know it, it reminds me a little bit. It's like you know when you're starting out. If if you think back to when, well, for example, when you and I were starting out, Inga, we were watching Phil, and you know actually 
the amount that you could do then, Phil, compared to what I felt like I could do in a short space of time was enormous. Um, you know, because it is like it is like you you can't even you don't even you can't even see what's happening all the time. And I think that um, you know it's interesting to think about. I, I could ask some of the people who are in who I do group work with now. For all I know, it, what I do looks like that now because you know they, why is he choosing that? Why is he saying mm -hmm. that? How does he know to ask that question? And there's a lot going on in those in those moments. I would say it does become part of kind of with sort of called physical mastery in a way it just we you know we start off being of course consciously or probably unconsciously incompetent we don't even know what we don't know we bring it to our consciousness we realize we're consciously incompetent we take some training we slowly become consciously competent to the point where we become unconsciously competent we don't even know what we're doing it just becomes a muscle memory of sorts um, and I think that's why it's so amazing what you've done, Phil, with the coaching school is to kind of reach back down in there into the subconscious mastery and then codify it and, and share it with the world. I think that's just so valuable. You know what, for, for anybody who's watching, who's on their coaching journey, what you've described is exactly right. And um, when you reach that point where it's unconsciously competent, the only way you can really screw it up is to start thinking too much. <laughs> yeah. Literally, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of like, you know, paragliding or something where you've got to trust yourself to just jump off the cliff and once you do and you've done it a few times you think well I, I just got to let it let it fly and um, and it feels really easy but sometimes you kind of look back on the day and go Whew, okay well I don't know quite where all of that came from <laughs> and that's the anxiety as a new coach I still remember when I was a new coach you know I'd wake up in the morning I'd be like Right. So this person, they they last time they talked about this, what questions am I going to ask? And and what if they say that, you know, like mapping, trying to consciously map the conversation, which of course you can't, because after the first question, you're off piste, right? Um, so that is part of the coaching mastery. It's the the presence and the partly it's the pattern recognition, partly it's the coaching skills and the and then the knowing how to translate whatever impulse you get into the the question and into the space yeah and you know we might we might come back because i i think there's also something which is in that in the work that the two of you are doing on abundance about um trusting and uh there's something in coaching that that you know actually there's a really nice uh it's basically i think it's a i'm not gonna i'll try and find a link to it because it's really nice actually for for coaches to i think help make that shift that we're talking about it's from a course in miracles which i won't go into for those listeners who don't know i won't go into what that is now but it's like okay well, maybe you can explain what a course in miracles is i don't really know about it there's a guy called alan cohen and he has a, he's pulled a bit out of a course in miracles which he gives to everyone who trains with him to read before every session and it is essentially a trust prayer and uh, one of my uh members of the community has been Coach's Journey community has been playing with it recently as a way to, or we've been playing with it there, as a way to begin to make that, I think, or help with that shift that we're talking about. Yeah, so mm -hmm. just because uh, you probably know it better than me, one of you, because Phil, you were nodding as well about A Course in Miracles. I, I love that this is um, coming up. But uh, yeah, one of you, explain explain A Course in Miracles. I'm going to throw this one to Inga because I think she <laughs> probably is know more than I do. I was probably just nodding and smiling. <laughs> Oh my goodness, how do you explain the Course in Miracles? Um, I'd sum it, sum it up, it's a, it's a really big book and it comes in three parts. There's a theory part, 
Uh, I kind of see a bit of a parallel with coaching, right? There's a bit of theory. Then there's 365 daily practices in the course. First part is learning how to stop, like how you're unlearning for the first part. And 365 daily practices, obviously, a year. So half a year, you're unlearning old stuff. And then the other half of the year, you're putting new behaviors and new thoughts and new ways of thinking about the world in. And then there's a third part, which is um, a manual for teachers. So it's, you know, once you've learned it, it almost becomes a sense of your duty to share it further in the world. And there's a sort of a manual around that. And if I was to summarize, what's it all about? It's about trust, actually, and trusting your kind of higher self and not letting get the mind get in the way. Yeah. And um, there are lots of ways that people can learn about it. Do you have a recommended one? If someone's just heard that or or they they check the sh- So we'll put a link to everything we talk about in the show notes. They'll find that link to the to the part that Alan Cohen talks about, because I'll put that in because it's it's really nice. If they want to learn more, where where did you learn about it or how did you learn or, or where do you recommend? Um, so there's a couple of things. There's the book itself and you literally just put it in Amazon and there is the book and it's but a big it, blue book. But isn't it a bit like um, those kind of like, like what, like, like um, uh, what's the Thomas Piketty one? Inequality. It's like a book that lots of people own and no one has read because it's yeah, so long. Probably. Right? Exactly. Um, and you can, you know, the the way that I actually got into it, the Marianne Williamson, mm. she currently has a program running, which is really affordable. It's like 50 bucks or something where every day she sends you a video of reading the daily lesson and then her commentary. And I just feel really inspired because she applies it in the real world and shares her experiences. So I kind of listen to it for five minutes every morning. And then usually it's like, you know, three times a day, remember that you are more than just who you think you are. Okay. Set timer, do it. Yeah. I haven't read the text. It's very complex. What a daily practice though. You know what, Robbie, this is, I think this is so, such an interesting conversation already. Things are tying together. Uh, you talk about getting to that unconscious competence and trusting yourself. Uh, yeah, we've talked about Tony Robbins and his approach and his intuitive nature and how he studies humans. You talk about a course in miracles. You know, every, every coach pretty much has a shelf full of books in their background of all sorts of personal development things and they've got a ton of courses that they've taken and people that they've worked with and their own personal coaching that they've had and when you think about how do you get to that unconscious competence how do you learn to trust yourself you know all of that information all of that learning all of that growth that you synthesize over the years and experience and all the coaching you do it all gets logged away in the computer right and it's all there you know, ready to be accessed. And we have this extraordinary ability to do that in a you know, nanosecond, you know, almost instantaneously, to filter through all of that, to Google it, and to pull out what seems like the most appropriate response in that moment. And when you start to really trust yourself, you, you, know, you might pull out something you've seen from Tony Robbins, you might pull out something you've done from A Course in Miracles, and you're probably not even aware you're doing that. But all of those resources are at your fingertips. And the trust is to trust that the right thing will come at the right time and the, the Google in your brain will, will find it for you. But it's amazing and extraordinary how accurate it can be. 
Mm. Yeah, and, and it's worth saying, you know, that was kind of in, you know, when I talked about that pattern recognition with Tony Robbins, that was kind of in there. It's worth saying another book that a lot of people have on their shelves and haven't read is Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman, because it's quite, when I read it, it's like, it's really hard to read. It took me a long it's time. To, to get it's quite boring. Quite, Let's get it. It's quite dull. So I'm going to explain it in in, in three seconds or in, in two minutes, which is to, to draw it together, because I think you're absolutely right. And it's sometimes helpful to know that a Nobel Prize winning behavioral scientist uh, says exactly what Phil just said. So if, if Phil's expertise is not enough for you to believe what he's just said, that's essentially that's what thinking fast and slow is. And it's the thinking fast part of it is our intuition built up from the sum of our experiences. And one of my favorite bits, or at least one of the most memorable bits of that book for me was the stories he tells about you know, a fire chief who takes his whole team into this building and then orders them out seconds before the whole thing goes down because something somewhere in his pattern recognition was there's something off about how much smoke and how much fire there is. And actually what was happening was the fire's in the basement, so the whole thing is structurally unsound. He didn't know that consciously, but his his uh, intuition told him to get out. Similarly, amazing stories about cancer doctors who can essentially diagnose cancer on intuition. Their, their intuition on doing that is so good because they've spent so much time um, diagnosing cancer with patients thousands of times that they they can kind of feel it on intuition. Now, those things sound like magic, as does Tony Robbins' um, moments of coaching, as does the intuition. When we're in a coaching session and we're super present, that intuition feels like magic. And in some ways it is, and it's more fun to believe in magic. And in some ways it's more fun and empowering to know that it's the sum of all that experience that we've had. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's it's an explanation of abundance, in my opinion, as well, which we're going to go on to talk about. But what an extraordinary wealth and richness of resource we have from everything we've experienced in our in our whole lives. Whether you believe that you can access beyond that into you know, the whole universe and the energy that's out there or not, even what we've taken in and internalized, you know, just, you know years and years and years of sensory stimulation and and then interpretation through our brains and learning and education. So we've, we've just got so much there. And that's why you can jump off the cliff with the, you know, the paraglider and, and you can fly, even though you might, it might seem like magic. Um, it, 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 it's common sense in some ways. Um, and, you know, a lot of, so a lot of the, the actual coaching mastery just comes down to throw yourself in there, trust yourself, practice, 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 learn, 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 learn. And you, you're going to be the fire chief in a few years' time, and you'll be able to sniff out that danger or spot that opening so quickly in a Tony Robbins style way. Mm. I mean, I, yeah, I still remember from that Netflix documentary. You know, there's a woman stands up and says, "I, you know, I'm having difficulty with my diet." She's a young, beautiful, attractive woman, and within three questions, they're talking about her relationship with her father and him being an alcoholic, and it's like. You know what you know it's the fire chief thing right what's the pattern that what's the subconscious competence the abundance of information you've you've already got in there that's just trusting it's already there yeah absolutely and, and this is definitely uh, you know an encouragement isn't it to practice because tony robbins has just done that with so many people one of the other people i've seen do it and actually who i've who also does a course in miracles work is robert holden and he mm. used to have like a a radio show on hay house radio every week for you know, I don't know years where people would call in and they would essentially do mini coaching slash mentoring slash teaching slash spiritual teaching, mm. and you can kind of feel it when you're with him as well. It's like oh yeah, he's just like oof, he just kind of 
gives you something and it's not quite coaching, <laughs> but it is, it's absolutely beautiful. Um, so uh, we <laughs> love this little place we're in, but Inga, I want to like, because you've already dropped us like hints of places we're going to hit on your journey mm -hmm. um, to kind of bring us closer to the present, the present, uh, uh, although good, good um, slip of the tongue, Robbie, bring us closer to the presence. Um, so you, you listen to Tony Robbins and then at some point, and that, I guess, like for many of us, and I think this is true of when we come to coaching training, for many of us, coaching training is not our first exposure to the idea that we can, that, that, that conversation, um, questions, how we think can all change things for us. And, mm -hmm. um, but so somewhere though, after that, you came, you came to actual, to coaching how we would think about it. Do you remember how that happened or or what the next yeah. steps were? I do remember. And it was probably another 10 years fast forward from that first moment um, where I was facing a decision in my own career and I was kind of at a crossroads. And I don't know if this is, you know, serendipity or I mean, I don't really believe in coincidences, but quite coincidentally, I received an email from a recruitment agency who I hadn't really signed up for it just dropped in my inbox and there was a little side note from Phil saying are you are you thinking you know are you facing a question about your career are you thinking of changing your career if yes click here and I was like yes I am click here <laughs> what was the recruitment agency um I think it was called Fresh Minds Okay, and let's just let's just pause. So, Phil, because we didn't we didn't we didn't talk about Fresh Minds the last time. So, is this in the phase of you building up the career coaching business? Like, how does a how does a little note from you end up on the side of a recruitment agency's email? Well, this is I mean, this is called using your yeah you know, using your sense of possibility, right? You know, when we talk about the abundance formula, we say it's mindset possibilities and then boldness. So, I was thinking about how do I how do I find people who are looking to change career and looking to do something different and something new? And where do they go for their information and who's in their network? And obviously, one place that they often go to in somewhere or another is a recruitment consultancy, because if you want to change jobs, you go to somebody who has different jobs. So it occurred to me that if I went and taught some recruitment consultancies and found ones that kind of served the the sort of audience I was looking at, which were you know, professional services people who were maybe looking to do something a bit more interesting, that some of the people who go to the recruitment consultancy don't just want the same job in a different company, but actually might want to do something a bit more interesting. When I went to talk to Fresh Minds, who I was introduced to by you know, somebody in my network, they said, yeah, you know, about you know, a third of the people we get don't really know what their next job is. And they're very difficult for us to deal with because... You know, we just want straightforward transactions so we can get our you know cuts and place people in you know without too much time and energy into the next job. So if you could come in and help us to you know redirect some of these people, help them get much clearer on what they want and what you know what's purposeful for them, what they enjoy, and what that might look like in terms of the next you know destination, then we could pick up with them afterwards. So we did a little deal and uh, um, you know. They put me on their newsletter, which I think had 30 or 40,000 subscribers on it. And yeah, it was a, a source of leads along with many other, but it, it's just a, a little, you know, using the possibilities, joining the dots, and then being a bit bold about making that request. And I can't remember what our commercial arrangement was, but it was, you know, it was just a very useful way of growing the business. 
Yeah. And was that you, Inga, at the time, professional services, but uh, looking for something more interesting? And, yeah. and, and what happened then? Well, so I think this is where we come to the third part of the abundance the formula is boldness. You know, it took boldness from my part to say yes, don't know what coaching is, don't know what this person's offering. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's speak to that because um, I don't think that everyone, I I, th- I get what you mean, but I don't think that everyone would think of that as boldness necessarily, especially once you're inside coaching, right? It feels mm. like, oh, it's obvious that I would do coaching. Like, why <laughs> wouldn't everyone? But right. it, that's not what it's like necessarily when you are thinking about it. So if oh. you're up for it, like, and what you can remember, why did that require boldness? Well, I think for me, it was, it didn't even use the word coaching from what I can remember. It just really spoke to the exact question I'm asking myself. It was something like, are you looking to do something more interesting in your career? And I was like, yes, here's the button. Yes. And of course, I don't know what I'm saying yes to, because the next step was the real bold one. Clicking the button is like a mini bold step. But the moment I clicked the button, it, you know, fill in your details. And this is where I think just to really slow it down for coaches who are thinking about using this kind of method and mechanism of connecting with people. I still remember the response that I received from Phil and I still tell people about it because I feel it was truly bold and done in such a loving and welcoming way because I didn't receive a here's a link book yourself in or what times can you make what I received was how about 9am Pan Quotidian Waterloo and I was like yes <laughs> right it wasn't like oh let me check my diary I'll come back to it later it was just so easy to say yes I don't know what I was saying yesterday I was going to meet some random dude at a have a <laughs> you live to tell the tale fortunately <laughs> and, and and this is so interesting i didn't know we were going to get to this but this is cool because we can get both sides of this right so it sounds like for inga as the client it was just such a relief to have like the kind of here's here's like the leadership from you phil what was the from your because you're such a strategist from the strategist point of view or from your coaching side of things how come that was the response so you got some kind of form from Inga saying I'm interested and yours your response is basically let's meet here and then in the same way that we were talking about the you know the learning that goes and the practice that goes into it this was through a process of experimenting right yeah I I kind of assumed that when I first started out I got a prospect that they would want lots of choices because people like choice so I was like what about this that or the other and I can be very accommodating and you know, 98% of those fish would swim straight through the net because it was just not, you know, it was not tight. And it, there was, as you said, there was no leadership in that in that situation at all. And I thought, well, maybe people just want leadership and they want certainty. So I experimented with it. I, I started saying, as soon as I got a prospect in, what about this time, this day, this place, let's do it. No choices. And it, it works. And it's, it's what I still do today both in terms of with prospects and in terms of scheduling my clients as well. Like I never ask my clients when they want. I send them a date and time. And they, you know, 90% of them say yes 90% of the time. So it, it makes life easy for everyone. And, you know, I, I think you're so right, Robbie, the idea of leadership. Like people are looking to their coach to take control because Inga's, you know, Inga's saying it's bold to reach out to some random stranger, right? 
So they're looking for somebody who has the confidence to take control of the transaction, to lead them through it, to make it easy, to show them what what is possible, um, and to make it easy to see that if it's what they want, they can say yes to it very easily, and they know how to make it happen. So I think our job is as a business, you know, the business person in the coaching side of things, is to take the lead and to show people how to how to do it and how coaching works and to make it easy for them to to then sign up. Yeah, and just to just to add my little bit to that, I'm gonna I'm gonna I can double down on this now, Phil, because you've given me permission. But what I by through that that example, but what I noticed was that. I think I, I used to do, of course, what everyone does, which is like give as much choice as possible, especially when you really want to speak to the people. And what I noticed is I basically, I can't remember exactly how this how and why this happened, but as I cut that down to basically saying very tight, not quite as tight as that, which is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go for one from now on, but usually two, maybe three options and a very tight follow-up question. Like if none of these work, tell me sometimes that do. And of course, people don't always follow that because people aren't good at, at managing diaries and all that kind of thing. But what I noticed was as soon as I started doing that, I got fewer cancellations. So mm-hmm. far less often would I be stood up as That's soon as I, right. like it was, it, it felt so obvious and clear that, that, that those two things were connected for me. Mm. And the, I think the fear is that if you give people one choice, they say, oh, I can't do that. But what then happens is they say, I can't do that, but I can do this. And, and and if 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 only getting one choice is the thing that stops them working with you, like they were probably never going to work with you anyway. If they're like, well, he only gave me one choice, I'm off. Then that's that's probably okay. No, but when people say, I can do this, switch from being in this space of choosing into the space of of actually making, you know, leading that choice right now. And they're like, actually, I can't do this, but I can meet you at this time in this place. And you're like, well, if you can meet me then, I can meet you there too. Great, let's do it. Hmm. Nice. Um, and so uh, let's let's like tie. Let's keep tying up the story. So you, Inga, then like I know this. We can. You ended up working with Phil, right? Yeah. And that was then. So then, then you had exposure to coaching from the client side. Mm-hmm. And how did that then connect to, in the end, um, training as a coach and bringing that coaching more explicitly into your work? Hmm. So Phil and I did some amazing work together. And as a result, I did. I left the work that I was doing. I pivoted quite significantly. I actually left a full-time job to go independent and set up my own company. It was still within the same world of consulting, but it was quite quite a change. And um, we kind of wrapped it up and then there was a bit of a gap. And then I think this is another point for coaches, the end of a coaching series the coaching package or whatever it was agreed isn't the end because actually we reconnected probably was I don't know some months or a year later and it was just a you know Phil connecting and saying I'm same place I am in the Pancotidian by Waterloo at this time do you want to meet for a coffee and it was literally just a let's meet for a coffee which is where he shared his vision for the coaching school and I was like never thought about being a coach, don't really want to be a coach, seems quite scary to be a coach, you're so good, I'm not going to never be that good, you know, all of that limiting belief stuff. But I'd love to learn, you know, and for me, it was about, well, this will help me be a better parent, I had a teenage son at the time, you know, this will help me be a better colleague, a better leader, a better this, and I love learning, I'd probably do it just for the sake of learning. But, you know, I didn't go into it thinking I want to be a coach and I'm going to change my career and, and and become a coach. I just think these are such 
invaluable life skills, whether you practice as a coach or not. So I was like, yeah, sign me up. Where, when, when are we starting? Which is, which is hilarious because when we were sitting in the Pankatia and doing our original set of coaching, you know, I had this amazing, like, super-powered woman who was like, yeah, and I did the Tony Robbins stuff, and then I read all of these books, and I've been working on this, and like, I, I have these amazing habits that I put in place. And I was like, wow, I'm quite slightly intimidated by this because, you know, actually, you seem to know almost more than I do. Um, and I, I kind of had you pinned down. I was like, yeah, you'd be an amazing coach or something similar just because of that drive that I saw in you for self-development. Um, so it's like, yeah, this is this is a good one here. And, and, and Phil, were you uh, just, again, it's too good an opportunity not to ask some of these questions about the kind of ins and outs of this because enrolling for a coaching uh, training program is different to client work, but it, there's also things that are similar or depending on how you do it. Um, in the last interview we did, and, and if people want to learn more about Phil and how he built his business and that kind of thing, definitely check out that that second episode. And, and we talk a bit about we talk about the career coaching business and and the coaching school in there a little bit too. One of the things you said you do is you just you had a practice of reaching out to old clients to just reconnect. Was was it just a part of that, or was there a specific? Maybe you like with all of what you've just said in mind of all the people in my network who might do this this uh, new training with me, Inga would be a good person to do that. Like, what was what was it, going? It was, on? it was exactly what you just said, Robbie. Yeah, yeah. Again, this is this is going into the possibilities and the boldness, right? Yeah. I had this idea that I wanted to do coach training. I needed to get it started. I wanted to share everything that I was learning, and I needed a group of people who had some. You know, had some credence in who I was. So the obvious place to go was to my network and particularly to some of the clients I had had who I'd always thought, and you know, through conversation, there were lots of clues in there that they'd be interested in this kind of thing. So yeah, I just hooked up some conversations with people who I thought would be a good fit and would probably love it. And seeing Inga's passion for self-development and you know personal growth, I was like, she's going to want to do this course whether she actually wants to be a coach or not because... Yeah. It's just going to be a great experience, and again, that's so. It's, it's making the you know, possibilities come through making connections and joining things together in your head. So I was just doing that, and then it's just the boldness to again ask the question, and then I just effectively went and pitched it, and luckily enough, people kind of signed up to get it started, and Inga was one of them. So that's very right. yeah, and and Inga, um, you know, you have used that coaching. I know. Well, you've you know you've already hinted at, at some of the things you've done. I know you've used it in other ways too. You did that training with with Phil um, and his colleagues at the time. Um, how did the training impact your work, and how have you used it it since then? It's mm, good question. I love that. Just winding my sort of my mind back. I still remember, and I, I think Phil, this was your metaphor, and you sort of reflected back to me later. Now, I turned up to that coaching, which is another step, boldness step of my, I don't even know what I'm, you know, I just want to do what Phil does. It's really fun. I want to be able to talk like that with my son and I want to be able to lead in that way in my life. So, I, you know, I want to learn that, but am I going to have to, you know, and I kind of didn't really think much about, oh, I'll actually have to do it. I just wanted to <laughs> kind of learn it. So I remember turning up and it was almost like using the metaphor of like walking around the edge of the swimming pool. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I'll be getting in. Like, I'll just listen and learn and take some notes. And like, you know, half an hour in, it's like, right, you're going into groups of three, start coaching. Here's your tools, go do it. And I was like, I don't know how to do it. Oh, okay. 
and it was like the moment I was in there, the moment I was, you know, in the moment, you know, in the seat, listening, receiving, being present. I was like in the pool. I was like, that's it. I'm doing this. I don't know how yet. I'm in. Like, I'm in. And at the end of the first module, if you remember, it's like, okay, guys, you got everything you need. Go and get yourself some clients. I'm like, what? Like, I thought I'd just be doing it, you know, with my friends and family. Then I have to get clients. Um, so that's kind of where it started. And it took me quite some time to I sort of ran that it was a bit of a hobby project in and sort of alongside the work I was doing as a consultant still. And it took this another, I guess it's a possibility and boldness step um, for me to realize I wanted to completely up sticks and sell everything in the UK and move back to the country I was born in, which is Latvia, which is three years ago. And I was like, what do I know? What skill do I have that I can do from anywhere in the world? And at the time, we didn't have this everyone can work remotely option. And coaching was the answer. I love doing it. I was pretty good at it, not that practiced yet. Um, I was a, a client of Tony Robbins organization. So I was getting a lot of support that way. And they kind of said, you know, one of the things I learned again through a coaching conversation was, why why not this you know pack up the consulting career and take this with you and live from the beach and do what you always wanted to do have you know a bit more of a freedom around my time and and, and do something that I really enjoy doing mm. and was that when you started working for for Tony Robbins's company as yes. well yes I mean that was a bit intense, to be fair. They um, they have one of the most extended interview processes I've ever come across. It was three months of interview and training and assessment. It's like a three-month assessment centre, basically, including a trip to New York and attending one of the events and being given ridiculous tasks in hotels where you have to go and find someone in the lobby, convince them to be coached, coach them, record it, submit it. You've got 30 minutes, go. So things like that. Um, so I did join their organization and received 40 coaching clients as a minimum. And like, this is where the practice, practice, practice just became really enforced. And this is why you, you and Phil are great, great colleagues for each other. Cause Phil too has had times when he's had crazy numbers of coaching clients, like the, the fire hose, um, thing. So Phil, what were you going to say? I was going to say, if, if you were walking around the swimming pool at the start of the coach training, by this point, you're at the bottom of the deep end, right? <laughs> Yeah. I was like, shit, maybe I should have learned to swim like quite well before doing this bit. Yeah. That's um, how you learn, right? You just kind of... Well, it can be, right? But I think there are people who like, well, we, there's, there's those models um, of that there's a, there's a bit beyond the stretch zone, right? Which is the kind of panic zone. And swimming is a good example. Like the water is actually a good example of this. There's like, if you, if you lose your cool um, in the water, then it gets dangerous. And mm. so what it sounds like you learned by the 40 coaching clients and, you know, practiced and stayed afloat, but what was that like? And what did you learn from, from that and from, from working with that company? Um, I mean, I learned a huge amount. It was so compressed, such a compressed time scale. They, their training, I would say, you know, it, you can't compare it with the coaching schools. It's just a completely different skill set because they train in, the specific kind of 
tools and methodologies that Tony uses. So you basically learn to become like a mini Tony because you're coaching his clients and you you learn how to do that pattern recognition thing, how to step in and kind of lead, how to be quite directive in in and in, in influencing in, in the whole conversation as well. Of course, in the direction of the client's desired result. Um, for me, in hindsight, I probably I did overdo it because in in parallel I was also renovating an apartment, selling an apartment, moving countries, packing up my whole uh, life, and working as a management consultant, implementing IT across Scandinavia and traveling backwards and forwards. So I was waking up at like five in the morning coaching New Zealand, staying up until nine at night coaching California, and in the middle of the day, you know, running workshops in Stockholm Airport on the new labor management software. So I think there's something that it's about balance, isn't it? It's something about, yes, jump in at the deep end. But, you know, in the end, I did have to take six months off once I'd moved. Yeah, I was going to ask, because we had a funny conversation just before we switched on the recording about how you've, because you're, and currently we're recording this in, um, where we end of June, you're currently isolating because of traveling between countries because uh, in the pandemic. And what you've done is booked in like calls all day, every day this week, which sounds a little bit like uh, moving a house, renovating a flat, having 40 Tony Robbins clients and uh, doing consultation, uh, doing consulting in, in Stockholm airport. Is that yeah. like, is, because some people love that that level of activity I, I think there are people who buzz off that and absolutely love it but you that was too much for you was it like how or or, or what was it like or are you someone who buzzes off that I do up to a point and I think this is where it's really useful to know where your limits are I mean even this week I'm noticing it's what Tuesday afternoon and I'm like I'm kind of like ready for the weekend so it's probably better if I pace myself and I think one of the things I'm noticing about my learning processes and the journey to mastery of anything is that the the kind of turnaround time of noticing to implementing a change just reduces. So when I was doing the crazy 40 clients, it took me six months of running full speed and just feeling quite tired all the time before I kind of noticed and did something about it. Today, it's Tuesday. It took me two days. And I've already implemented, like I've taken two days off next week. That's it. You know, and it's it's about shortening, for me, it's about shortening that awareness to implementing change boldness cycle. Yeah, that's a really nice way of putting that. I had one earlier this year because we had a baby and and I was just like, I can't believe I need to think about my schedule again. Like I was really gutted. I was like, I've thought about my calendar like so much over the year. I thought I finally had it had it fixed. And then of course, you know, I change or the world changes um, and uh, it might need looking at again. And I think you're absolutely right. It, you know, it took me not, not an insignificant amount of time and energy to, to, well, both make the changes and actually for me also adjust like mm-hmm. my sense of identity to, Oh wait, it, it, if, if my, if my changes are like this, I'm different. What I do is different. And, and there was some, so it's not only the actual making the change for me, but it's also that change becoming becoming more a part of me. Um, mm-hmm. And so Inga, bring us like up to date, like what are you working on at the moment? And I know part of that is the abundance formula, which I really want to get into, but but there are other things in your orbit too. So mm-hmm. how, on the back of that six months off and the, the, the moving back to Latvia, how have you created your, your work and life now? 
Mm. It's, it's really lovely actually to kind of go through that whole experience from the, the moment where I actually, that was the moment of realization way back when I reached out to Phil or said yes to Phil's question. It was that I want something more in my life than just the work I was doing. And it feels like it has been a process of, you know, over 10 years or so where, you know, looking back now, I've completely reconfigured what I do and how I do it. So right now I live in Latvia. Um, I'm living in a house on the beach in a forest. Um, I work two and a half days a week for this really inspiring consultancy company called um, Curve. They're a creative consultancy company. We run um, leadership workshops online. So they used to run everything in person. And with the pandemic, it's become, you know, a possibility, you know, new new possibilities um, to do that work completely remotely. So I do that two and a half days a week. Um, and and for, inter- any, for anyone who's interested, just want to catch it, like one of the mm. flagship workshops, right, is how how to run a really good online workshop, which yeah. I think is like, uh, you know, we, I've been trying to find a date that I can come along. We've just, we've been talking about this. It's like, because there's, you know, in this world we live in, that is a skill which is only going to become more and more useful. And, and yeah. so I just want to highlight that for people because I think it's um, people who like you and have enjoyed getting to know you over the last hour or so, you know, will will um, might be curious to jump on one of those. Um, yeah. How, how do people find those if, if they're interested? I can jump on to curve.cc, which is the, our website, nice. or even on LinkedIn. And we're on Eventbrite. Um, look, for, look for us there, Curve. Cool. And so sorry, uh, I interrupted though. Yeah. That's all right. And actually, yes, their flagship used to be called the Workshop Workshop, which is a workshop on how to run workshops, which is now the Remote Workshop Workshop. Um, And interestingly, so we do kind of curves has two types of work that we do. We do learning curve, which is where we teach skills, like running workshops remotely, like uh, providing feedback. We we even teach some light um, coaching skills into organizations, which I find really inspiring. And then we do growth curve, which is kind of bespoke leadership um, workshops, let's say, on on strategy or on team dynamics or whatever it might be. And that's the one thing that I'm noticing more and more. Our clients are really interested in having the one-to-one coaching to to kind of complement the workshops. So recently we just did a project with a um, creative agency, uh, a, a sort of a a PR company in in the UK, based in the UK. And we took their leadership team of nine people through, here's a workshop of how you want to be working together. And then we coached each individual through a process of then arriving at a a completely reconfigured different place emotionally, mentally, and how they work together. Um, And we're noticing that more and more and more so, it's not just the work and it's not just the the cognitive work it's more about emotional intelligence about collaboration co-creation and those are new skills and those skills seem to be best taught in a one of the great ways of teaching it is a coaching relationship yeah really nice and, and really interesting both but you know i guess there's the awareness and the appetite to 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 take those opportunities up because that does feel like you know it's a powerful it feels like a powerful intervention and it's a little yeah. similar to what you know Phil and I were talking about last time he was on the show about some of the ways that his business has evolved, that that those that combination of of the one-on-one support with some with other other support is is really interesting for 
for making change. And and then so tell me how and where did the does the abundance formula fit into this and how did it come about? Hmm. It'll be interesting to hear, Phil, how you... Yeah, let's, let's do that in a minute. Let's do that in a minute. Yeah. But first, without asking Phil, uh, yeah. without cheating, like how did, it, how did it happen? So for me, it was, you know, Phil and I have been, you know, we've stayed in touch. I mean, I find my conversation, every single conversation with Phil just inspirational. I always walk away with this positive buzzing. And I think it is that, you know, the mindset shifts. All of a sudden, there's a whole bunch of new possibilities available to me and the bold steps become really clear and not so scary anymore. So, you know, as I kind of had reconfigured my life, I, you know, insert, I was also moved to Chile for a year and a bit straight after I moved to Latvia. So I'd just come back and I was like, yeah, I think this whole thing about like, I'm just going to retire and live on the beach and not do anything ever again, probably isn't quite what I want to do. So I started to reach out to my, you know, networks and people who I feel um, I can inspire and inspire me. And we were just having conversations kind of on a weekly basis. And this is when the pandemic was really starting to kick off at, you know, springtime 2020. And through these conversations, we kind of, we came across this idea and this sense of, you know, this stuff that we're sharing here, the world needs this. And there's like the world really needs this now. Yes, so much uncertainty and people having to deal with so much. This is this is a great opportunity. Let's let's do something. Let's I don't know. Let's do something. And then you know, it started to unfold from there. This initial desire to share what we were sharing in our conversations out further further out into the world. Yeah, and and before we bring you and Phil, it's interesting. I put out to the coaches journey community that um well, I was going to be speaking to you both and what we we're going to be speaking about and one of the questions was from from Alex who's a member of the community was just to ask about abundance in the face of really difficult conditions you know it's like can we do that and and you know indeed it, is that in fact the ideal time and the most important time to be talking about something like this and what you're talking about and it sounds like you know it was born in the pandemic it sounds like the answer to that is yes it, it now is now's the time is that is that what it feels like that when things are difficult can be a particularly important time to to begin to think about the things that you're talking about i mean i would say when do you not want abundance in your life like every time is a good time to realize that there are infinite number of possibilities right here right now and that you have complete power over your mindset and over how you see the possibilities and what possibilities you do see, and you have complete control over the kind of action that you take. So yes, in a challenging time, it's more arguably more challenging to maybe shift mindset because it's it can easily kind of go into places that is not so easy to see possibility. But boy, isn't that the greatest place of opportunity and the greatest place of being able to really kind of help yourself out of whatever place you're in and into a place of generosity and openness and kindness and joy and ease which are all the values of of abundance Hmm. yeah what's your take phil and and how does your story of the abundance formula match up with ingus i mean it's it's exactly the same obviously (laughs) um (laughs) Yeah, it's an interesting one. So, you know, we we all kind of met through the coaching school, and that was that was me thinking about 
wow, I've got this powerful, amazing toolkit that I've been learning about and using and seeing the transformation that it brings you know, in Inga's life, in other clients' lives. And I, you know, I absolutely love that. And I wanted to think about how do I teach other people to use that toolkit and the, you know, the toolkit, but also the mentality that goes with that in order to use it skillfully and the ability to get into that space of you know, unconscious competence and let go. So you know, that was a great journey that I went on for a long time and it came to a kind of natural resting point. And I was looking, I was then thinking, well, there's another side to this. Yeah, there's actually all of the kind of learning that we were talking about in terms of how humans grow and develop and that sort of client-side experience that we you know, loved, had a lovely insight into today. What are the things, what, what are the sort of, what are the underlying things in that process that clients go through that really work for them? What am I seeing in the thousands of people that I've interacted with and how can I like scale the impact of that because you know almost all of my work for a long time had been one-on-one and with a little bit of group coaching but I was like there's got to be a way to take these ideas make sense of them and then share them with the world and you know I'm getting to the middle of my life I want to start to think about how can I have as much impact as possible and help as many people as possible with you know I feel so fortunate to have learned as much as I have so how can I share that and I was looking for an outlet for it, and I had conversations with lots of people and bounced it around. I started to formulate what what it might be. And talking to Inga, it just sort of came out one day. I was like, "Look, I'm, I said, I think I said I'm trying to start a movement around abundance. Those are kind of, or not. I'm trying. I want to start a movement around abundance. There's, I don't know if you've seen it, Robbie. There's a fantastic video about starting a movement, which is a TED talk. Um, and I'll find the link and we can put it on, on the video. Um, but you know, with spoiler alert, basically, it's a three-minute video taken at a music festival. I do know the one, yeah. The voiceovers yeah. by Derek Sivers, I think. Derek Sivers, that's right. And, you know, it's, it starts out with an empty field. One person, one crazy dancer, comes into the middle of the field and starts dancing on his own. Yeah? With a really weird, like, just in case anyone can't bother to watch three minutes, but you should, Think with a, a really weird dance. Yeah, it's like a bit like... I mean, <laughs> so everyone who's just listening you need to go to youtube and check out the video to see phil doing that dance yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and you know the guy's like well you haven't got a movement yet because at the moment you're one crazy person in the field and i kind of felt a bit like that with my ideas around abundance i'm like i'm a crazy person in the field but then this person gets the most important character in starting a movement which is the you know the, the first follower the first dancer who comes and dances with with him and then these two start dancing together and they're having a, suddenly they're having a great time, right? And the movement has begun. And over the course of the next minute or so of the video, you know, suddenly there's three people, there's five people, there's 10, there's 20, there's 50. And within 90 seconds, the, the whole field is rammed with people dancing. You know, so I, I really wanted to try and figure out how do you do that? And you know, Inga said, well, I'll be your, I'll be your crazy first, first follower dancer or dance <laughs> together. I was like, well, what more could I ask for? So that was really the seeds of it. You know, it's like, okay, now we've got two people and we both think like teaching people how to be abundant and spreading that message is a great idea. Let's go find some more people to dance with. <laughs> and and so 
like because I think there's 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 kind of two things uh, that are really interesting about this. One is the ideas, and the other is the conversation we're kind of in, which is about how you decided to do this, and then have so far been building the movement. Because you know, um, I, you know, seeing some of the things you've been doing, it's really exciting. And I remember um, reading the you know when I was reading the testimonials from one of the pro- online programs you've run. It's like there's amazing testimonials there. There's there's people getting amazing. Um, learning from the work that you're doing um but it feels to me like first we should like we should can we get really explicit about the abundance formula it feels like we we need to do that before we go much further yeah it's like if you bring a gun onto stage you you've got to use it at some point and that's one of the rules of theater right so what is the abundance (laughs) formula um the abundance formula says that abundance equals mindset plus possibility in brackets to the power of boldness I just want to say, brief aside, as a maths grad, I'm a really big fan of the fact that your formula has uh, to the power of in it. I just want to say that, like, formulas are all about, you know, everyone's got a formula or an equation with multiplication or addition in it, but getting to the power of boldness in there is cool. If you're we a like grad. power. Power is a good word, right? <laughs> we, we love a bit of power in coaching. And, you know, how did it come about? Well, I looked at, well, well what happens on a coaching journey for a client? And... I don't know about you guys and you know, people in the, in the audience watching this are, are, you know, at home as well, but for me, almost always, the first place that you go to with clients is looking at their inner world, their underlying mindset. You know, they're looking at the, the world through a particular lens. You know, Inga was sitting there thinking, my, my job sucks and I hate it and I feel a bit trapped. So we all have a lens that we look at the world through. We all have the, the mental setup that, that, we, that we process that information uh, you know through as well and the first piece of a coaching engagement is usually understanding well how are you seeing the world and how is that impacting the results that you're getting right now and then what would happen if you change that lens and brought a diff- you know some different beliefs some different you know emphasis some some different choices and you you know how does that then you know transform or change the world that you can see and the possible and and what might be then possible so you know generally that the first part of every coaching engagement i do will in some way or another be digging into someone's inner world and helping them to understand what's going on and then how do you change it so that's where the mindset comes from and we had that nice conversation last time about the difficult part in the middle of the coaching engagement where people get kind of stuck again and how actually that's the if the mindset stuff hasn't shown up until then that's where it comes in and because otherwise they would have you know if you don't do the mindset work what's changed really for people like that that's the bit that stops yeah. them having the same problem repeating you're right you kind of get stuck in that kind of einsteinian definition of insanity where you try something you try something slightly different but the mindset drags you back into still seeing the same problems and if you see the problems and feel the problems then you still have those problems so so that mindset shift you know if people are stuck in a scarcity mindset which is usually there's there's almost always some fear that you uncover with clients when you dig into this you know there's some beliefs about the world not not being either i'm not enough or the world's not enough or if i do these things i'll be judged or i'll be rejected you know all of that is very much coming from a place of scarcity because it's, it's scarcity about who we are and what we're capable of and it's also scarcity belief scarcity beliefs about the world around us and you know what's available how accepting it will be of us what it's possible for us to do within those constraints so you know, you almost always or i almost always see that clients are stuck in some way in fear and scarcity and it's moving them into a place where they see 
oh, actually, I am more capable. I am a, you know, I am a human who has strong values and I'm capable of expressing those. And I do believe some positive things about myself and I see that I have strengths and I see that I have value in the world and I can acknowledge my own value. And I can also see that the world around me is full of some energy and possibility and richness and boldness. And when you do that, you go from that place of scarcity where nothing's possible into a place, a space of much more abundant thinking where everything starts to become workable. Everything's much more doable, right? You know, if you're starting a, if you're, if you're starting a, a coaching business and you have your first couple of, you know, prospects and you're really terrified when you meet them and you think that you're not good enough, you project that to them. They pick that up. If you're not taking the lead because you're too scared to do so, you know, you give them 57 choices and they don't even come to the meeting. So all these little mindset things affect our experience and the, the results that we get back. Once you start to switch over to the abundance space and you believe that what you have as a coach is valuable and you believe that you're capable of delivering that in an effective way and you also believe that people out there are open to the idea of personal development and they want to grow and they want to be involved in a coaching relationship and they're looking for someone to help them, you know, that's a much more abundant work mindset and a foundation to bring to approaching growing a coaching practice. And you'll see a massive difference once you make that shift over here in the way that you you turn up and the way that people react to that. So that's an example of how the, you know, the first part of the formula really works, that shifting that mindset into that abundant space starts to create different possibilities and allows you to take more action. And so it sounds like also that the three aspects of the formula are like they're tied together, right? Because the mindset allows you to see the possibilities and it allows, and the possibilities includes actions and, and all that kind of thing. But talk me through or talk us all through the, why is it important that all three of those aspects? So we've talked about mindset. Why is it important that possibility or possibilities is specified and, and what is important about boldness? Right. So for me, the, you can think of it almost like a, like a pyramid. So the mindset is the foundation. Once you've got yourself into an abundant mindset, that take, it effectively takes off your blinkers around what is possible. So th this is the, the second layer of the pyramid is the possibilities. You know, Inga knew she wanted something different, but she was so blinkered that she couldn't work out what it was or even how to start thinking about finding that. So you know, once, you, once you're in that mindset space, you can start to see out there in the world that things are possible. You know, how did Inga find me in the first place? Because I started to explore the possibilities of where do I find these people? And I brainstormed it and I talked to other people and I got input and I drew on everything that I know and started to actually work out, well, it might be possible to go and talk to a recruitment consultant. Maybe I should talk to websites who market to and sell complimentary services to people who want to do career change. You know, Maybe I should go and talk to other coaches who do different things and build partnerships with them and they can send me career clients and I can send them clients who have, you know, things that they want to do in the, in the family space. So you know, once you've got the abundance mindset, you can start to see that all, almost everything is possible. You can be very open in your thinking. It also kind of enables you to go out there and make connections. You know, connections are so important in making possibility and creating opportunity because all of the things that happen come from other humans, right? So, or you know, not everything, but a lot of things that happen are going to come from being very open with other humans, telling them what you're all about, telling them what you care about, what you're passionate about, what you want to do. 
listening to them and hearing that about them and then piecing that together and saying, well, you're interested in this and I'm interested in that. But if we put that together, this could become a real possibility of something that would be a win-win for both of us. Once you're in that mindset below, you can start to create those win-wins, right? You can start to connect. You can start to see what's out there in the world. And you know, you, there are different frameworks that you use as a coach to help clients to do that and explore it, right? You, know, you might do a future visioning exercise. You might get them to go and talk to other people and brainstorm. They might do a Pinterest board, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You can start to, but you need to have the mindset to be able to, to get these possibilities in place and to start to figure out, well, what could I do and what are the right things to do? Yeah, I just want to catch as well, because you, you, you kind of talked about win-win there. I think like, two great examples of where we're often in scarcity and we could be in abundance uh, are sales and negotiation. And both sales or negotiation can be viewed as um, I'm going to win. I'm going to get you to buy this thing. I don't care uh, whether it's good for you or not. Or in the negotiation, I'm going to get what I want. I don't care what happens for you. Or they can be viewed as win-win, which is like, it would be the per- you, are, you are the perfect client to work with me and I'm the perfect coach for you. Let's do this together. Or if it's not good for both of us, if we're not both winning, let's not do this. And similarly in a negotiation, you know, it can be like the reason we're having this conversation is to create, to get some of both of what we want. And let's get creative about how to do that. And I just think that win-win frame is like, I don't know, there's something about it that sometimes gets a bit, it's almost a bit too commonly used to think about what a deep concept it is and what a difference well, it makes when you bring it in. I mean, Robbie, I would say you look at Inga's story and the you know the way that our relationship has evolved, right? From coach, client, trainer, trainee, to now business partners. And yeah, that takes that takes a possibility mindset and an abundant mindset on both sides to have that flexibility to keep exploring. Well, what's this relationship now? What what can we do together now that is valuable for both of us? And at different points in that relationship, it was different things. Um, and now, you know, we love working together and creating this thing together that we're both really passionate about. And it's a, a relationship of absolute equals. We bring completely different and complementary skills to the table, which didn't escape my attention. That uh, you know, is fabulous. Uh, you know, pulling things together, making things happen, you, using technology in a really effective way to bring training to life. Those are not my necessarily my strengths, but you know, I bring my side of the equation in terms of creativity and big picture, and also designing training and interventions. You smoosh it together. You've got a wonderful synergy of possibility, right? And it's not even a negotiation. It's not even a I don't know. I guess it's is it win win or is it sort of feels like it's too small a term for what that is? It's, it's abundant. Mm. Mm. And and so then finish the formula. Okay, so, boldness. So the boldness is the is the cherry on the cake, right? This is when possibilities turn into opportunities, turn into reality, because you you can see all the possibilities in the universe. But at some point, you've actually got to manifest some of them and make them into reality. So, you know, I, I could have seen the amazing idea to go and work with recruitment consultants to get loads of clients. But unless I actually went and was bold enough to go and talk to some of them, then nothing would have happened there. And, you know, so the, the boldness is the boldness to move into action the boldness to engage with others, the boldness to call out possibilities that you see with the possibility that they may be jumped on and run with or they may be rejected. Um, 
And you know, it's the boldness to try new things, knowing that some of them are going to be great and some of them are going to not go so well. But within the things that don't go so well, is actually the learning and the growth. And you know, that information that you get from taking that first bold action informs the next bold action, which is probably even bigger and better than anything you could have conceived in the possibility phase. So the, you know, this is why this is to the power of boldness. Because once you've got the mindset solid and you see the possibilities and you start boldly pursuing them and making connections and bringing other people into dancing the field with you, this, this magnifies and multiplies on an exponential scale the potential of the actual impact that you can create. Mm. But, you know, like we're still getting started with the abundance formula, but in the first year we've run, what, three courses? Three online courses. We've already graduated 70 or 80 people. As you said, some of the feedback we've had has been really extraordinary and you know, talking about huge transformations, not just in mindset, but also in the results that people are seeing in their lives, how they're growing their businesses, how they're you know going out and changing the way they relate to the people in their lives. So we can already see that the power of the boldness in us going from, hey, I'd like to do something with abundance. Do you want to dance in the field with me? It's by taking some bold action, it's starting to multiply and grow. And yeah, we're here today talking about it because we want more people to know about it and come and experience it. So we can help, you know, like share this with the world. So the you, the boldness is is the pinnacle, right? Without that, you are someone who sees lots of great things in the world and can make connect all the dots. But you don't get the you don't get the change in the end. And you don't get the impact that you're really looking for. Yeah, and, and Phil, I want to catch as well because it's like <laughs> this all sound like it's really hard I, what i what my my experience in my life is has been that it is like when you start taking bold action you change uh you completely change and um different like of course it feeds into it feeds into other things as well and both of you have been a part of me taking bold action in in different ways and those absolutely those things including and I, I won't talk about it now but I'll probably tell it in the intro including a tiny bit of coaching from Inga that actually has a really important part in me be going from being someone who has those first two to being someone who also takes action um, and I know that for you, and we'll put a link, there's, there's three really nice little articles you told about, about abundance, um, Phil, on, you, you wrote about abundance, Phil, on, on LinkedIn, and we'll put links to them. But I, I just want to draw a, at least a little bit of that out, if that's okay, because it feels important to say that you haven't always <laughs> had this mindset and that scarcity and struggle have been a big part of your journey. And it was nice reading those articles, especially having just listened back to our, our previous interview on the podcast, because, it, you know, some of the things we spoke about when we spoke about your journey are name checked in that in those articles. But they tell us more about the real struggle that was going on behind the scenes, including like, you know, worrying every time someone walked past your desk that you were going to get fired and actually hiding under the desk in your office with the lights off. And and we did talk a little bit about, you know, crying to Cheryl Crow in the last uh, episode, but we laughed and joked about it. Whereas actually when I was reading the story, it, it didn't sound funny. And it, it came at the end of a, a sequence where you'd kind of been like ambushed into being forced to go travel to a different part of the USA. And uh, yeah, I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about that journey, the, the personal importance of abundance for you. Well, I, I mean, I think this has been like the learning of a lifetime for me 
like you know, I don't want to go on in detail about you know, my childhood, etc. But like, like I kind of have a belief that deep down everybody has a you know a connection to each other, a connection to the universe, and that we sort of know that the universe is abundant and you know it's kind and it's full of possibility. But our experiences as humans, you know, we kind of learn all sorts of lessons about how the, the world really works that build up over time. And everybody comes with, with that different mindset that we talked about as the first level. And definitely from, from my childhood and even going into kind of my 20s and my early career, like I definitely had a very strong scarcity mindset. I had a lot of fear, existential fear about survival and being rejected that came from, from formative experiences. And I, I really thought like nothing was re- nothing very much was possible, and I was kind of destined to sort of drift through life as a victim of fate, and never be able to you know grasp and go after the things that deep down I knew what my values were, but I never thought I'd be able to kind of live them out. Um, and so you know, kind of for me, uncovering coaching and getting into this journey and starting to make some choices. I've been. I went up through my own process, and the first piece of it, which is still an ongoing work in progress, was you know working on my mindset, right? Understanding how I was seeing the world and how that was impacting me. I, I probably said last time we talked, you know, I felt like I was in the deepest trench, and I was just following this trench, you know, working as an accountant, going up through the ranks, and I couldn't, I couldn't see my way out of it. Very similar to where Inga was, right? Where it's like I don't have any. I feel like I've got no choice. I've just got to keep walking down this trench, even though it's dark and miserable and horrible down here. And every time I took a step forward, I was d- digging it slightly deeper. So to to then get into the world of coaching and find myself a coach and start to understand that that was that trench was of my own making, right? Like I've made that trench for myself. The way that I was thinking, the way I was interpreting the world, the beliefs that I had were putting me in that situation and making me really miserable and unhappy and that I could actually do something about that, right? This is why I want to share this with with as many people as possible because I know how painful and horrible that was. And it, it's just, it's the worst place in the world. And, you know, every now and then everybody goes there. And it happens to me sometimes. I just have one of those days where I can't see the wood for the trees. But learning how to recognise what's going on and change your beliefs and see the scarcity and then well, how do I actually you know as, as I did for myself start to see the world through a more abundant lens and see what's possible you know see that I can go and actually do something really positive with people and believe that about myself and actually become a coach you know like that was it that that was was inconceivable for me when I was 29 and by 32 I was doing it and so that took me reshaping my, rebooting my mental systems, doing a lot of work on that, then talking to my coach about what was possible and recognizing, you know, I said last time I was sitting with my coach and I said, wait a minute, you get paid to do this, right? Could, does that mean I could do it? And I'm like, no, this, that, that can't be possible. But then, yeah, my little new mindset sort of kicks in and went, hmm, maybe that is possible. Maybe I could actually do this, right? Um. So then the possibilities were there. And then I had to be bold enough to go and do a coach training and stump up my own money to do it. And then I had to be bold enough to apply for a job at Delight to become a coach, even though I had no zero days of experience as a coach. And that's the, you know, that's going through my own personal kind of abundance formula, right? 
And we see this with all of our clients. So they change the way they see the world. Then they make different, better choices and see what's really possible. And then they go and take bold action. So yeah, like it feels like the work of my lifetime, honestly, to, to share this and to teach it and to figure out how best to help others to do it. Because I can see the change that it's made for me. I can now see the change that it's made from you know many of my clients. And now with the abundance formula, I can see how we can do that with groups and actually how these groups become so powerful at helping each other to work on these steps. It's really extraordinary when you get an amazing group of people together, how that connection helps people to be honest, to be vulnerable, to look at what's going on and to to make that shift happen. Hmm. Hmm. So much in there. And I I think it's it's like really important to notice that also in there, one of the, there's a couple of important things to pull out, I think. One is um, that you still get those days where you slip out of it. And I think that's important to say. I I just want to say, I had one, like listening back to our um, last interview. I was like, you know, Phil is doing this cool work. And actually, this Phil's new business, that's kind of the work that I want to be doing more of. And if Phil's doing it, there's no possible, like, what's the point? Really, what's the point? Um, because Phil is like, um, you know, he's eight years or nine years ahead of me in terms of coaching. His strategic thinking is completely different to mine. There's just no way that's gonna that's gonna happen. And then and then to loop back, like to what we were saying earlier, what you were saying, Inga, like it it takes me less time to get over that than it used to. And that's one of the one of the key things. And of course, you know, like you can catch lots of scarcity in that story. One of which is that it's that if Phil's doing it, I can't do it. That there's somehow not enough space for those two things to happen. Um, and the other one that I, the, the rule that I, the kind of insight that, that actually was really helpful to me when I was thinking about yesterday is um, is a nice little one, um, which is compare comparing myself to me of yesterday, not Phil today. Uh, because Phil today is a, just a different thing. And also, I don't know what it's like to be Phil. I don't know what his mindset is like and all those kind of things. So I just think that's important to um, to catch that that it's like, it, you know, you, you don't one day become completely abundant forever, necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Inga, you made a fantastic point about this, which is it's much more about the ability to catch it and recognize it in the shorter and shorter lead times and then yeah one of the things that we teach a lot in the formula is first of all how do you recognize what's going on as quickly as possible and then how do you you know what are the things that you can do to work yourself back into that more abundant space whether it's going back to your you know looking at some underlying beliefs and you know playing them back through in your head whether it's like connecting to other people who will kind of talk, you know, talk you down off the ledge, whether it's like doing some self-care and you know, finding some space to go into it into a completely different mental zone. Yeah, you know, there are so many things that you learn over the years and that you see with clients that A allow you to catch it more quickly and B then allow you to or help you to get through it. But of course it happens and sometimes it takes longer than others. It's but the the quicker you can get back in the abundance space, the quicker you can get on with doing, you know, being your best self. And what a nice thing to have that community as part of the, as part of the journey, because how, how often is that helpful? Um, yeah. I, I want to catch, I want to come back to you in a second, Inga, just to ask about, how, you know, in some ways, what, what abundance means to you. But before that, I just want to, there's another distinction you kept, you, you kind of kept making there, Phil, that I, I think is important to draw out because you kept talking about the scarcity mindset. Um, and I think it's a bit like um, if we're ever thinking about like the victim player mindset, 
uh, it's always really important to distinguish between the victim mindset and being a victim. And I wonder if it's important also to make a distinction between the scarcity mindset and living in actual scarcity. Because, um, you know, it strikes me that whilst having a, uh, like you said before, Inga, who wouldn't want to be more abundant? And where is more abundance not useful when it comes to a mindset? I think it's really, I imagine you're not saying, well, if you just change your mindset, then your children will have enough food to eat, you know, if if that's what you're really struggling with. So so I wonder if, if you know, either of you could speak to, you know, like... <laughs> I don't know if it's just that distinction between scarce, real scarcity and scarcity mindset, or if it's like, you know, when is it about, because it strikes me that sometimes it's probably not about changing mindset. It's about fixing the, 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 the scarcity problem. And that's the most about important the place for us to go. Yeah. Yeah. So, so either of you dive, dive in to that. So I'll have a go and you can have a go too, if you want to go. Like, I think this is a really, it's really interesting territories to go into. You know, you're right. There's some, there are some people in the world who live in real scarcity, and that is absolutely tragic. But it, you know, actually, when researchers have gone and you know talked to those people, they see a range of mindsets that people have, and also a range of perspectives on their situation. You know, some people are distraught about the situation that they find themselves in, and other people have a much more positive mentality. And um, you know, the ones who have a positive lens that they bring to it see that this is my life right now and I'm you know I'm gonna make the most of what I've got and aspire to to make things, you know, I or I have the capability to work to make things better. So even there, you can see that 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 that, men, that base mentality can make a huge difference just to how you experience your circumstances how you feel about yourself in those circumstances and then to the sense of agency that you have to do something about it um and you're right you know would, like i would love that we could fix every you know everybody's situation in the world it's not realistic to do that right yeah at the same time you're right we can think ourselves into a into a victim space a scarcity space i'll see ourselves as a victim and at that point you, you're back in my in my rut that i was talking about right where you you lose all your agency to actually, you don't see any possibility and you lose agency to be to take action or be bold to do anything about that. So I think, you know, scarce, even saying you've got a scarcity mindset moves you away from being scarce, right? Because let's be honest, like when you think about the people we were talking about and who are living on a dollar a day and really struggling to survive, like none of us in the Western world and probably nobody who's listening to this podcast is living in those conditions, um, and we're very we can count ourselves count our blessings and our good fortunes and actually you know when we when we started the first abundance course the first thing i said is rejoice because you're already you're abundant right now right and we're all abundant the fact that we're able to do this we can make an hour of our lives or 90 minutes of our lives to come together as a group and even talk about abundance means we're really freaking abundant right now so you know that's an immediate recognition going from I'm scarce to scarcity mindset to actually I'm abundant. And we all are extraordinarily abundant as we sit here right now. I think like a huge part of me shifting out of a, a, a much more scarcity focused mindset and into a much more abundant mindset was really understanding what you've just said. I don't think it can be like understated that if, you know, I feel I'm like one of the luckiest person people ever to have been born into this 
I mean, particularly, you know, we've all lived in the UK, we've lived in, in Europe. It's like to have been born into this place in this time. You know, it's like actually for, by so many measures that it, it is an amazing time to be alive. Um, I want to catch a cool thing, actually. I don't know if you know this. It's in I think behind me somewhere. I've got Utopia for Realists by Rutger Bregman. There's a great bit of research in there, which I just think is really important to catch, which is that it seems like when we're in actual scarcity, so there's this experiment with sugar farmers, hmm. like our, our verbal reasoning goes down. So it's like what well, that... So I was a bit too uh, sunny, I think, about about abundance scarcity mindsets, although, you know, which is like, oh, everyone just changed their mindset. And then you get this sense of, and I can remember this at times in my life where not, nothing's been as scarce as the Indian sugar farmers or the people on a dollar a day, but the finance has been much more pressured. You can kind of feel your verbal, it kind of it, it rings true to me to remember. It's like, yeah, my verbal That's reasoning gets really. worse, like the whole thing, it's everything's much harder. And yeah. it, it's, I think, so the reason I'm saying this now is, um, for me, it feels important to say there are times when the most important thing is to shift that pressure. And it might be through bold action, like that might be important, but it might be through really dull, practical um, action. Mm. And because sometimes getting that, like getting the foundations under us um, is is the most important thing we can do, or at least that's what it feels like from my life. I just wanted to, mm. to put that in as well. I'd love to speak a little bit to the boldness aspect and you know it's it can in in some minds it can land as you know it has to be the big thing that we do and sometimes it is a big thing you know it is making that phone call and saying yes or saying no sometimes it like what you just alluded to Robbie it is the really small daily frankly quite boring things that are also there are moments of courage and there are moments of boldness. You know, if you want to run a marathon, you're not going to just put your trainers on and start running and keep running for, you know, three or four hours or six hours or whatever. Your first step is going to be decide. Your next step might be dust off my trainers. That's what I'm going to do today. You know, tomorrow I'm going to actually put them on and the next day I'm going to put them on and go for a walk around the block. You know, it's the sometimes boldness is a habit. And it's yeah. not one, two, three big, bold moves. Sometimes it's the sustained, small, bold actions that get you there. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe that's a, um, I don't know, there's some kind of distinction here, isn't there, about boldness versus, I don't know, like foolhardiness or um, like, uh, just like, it's like, it's like, you know, is it bold to jump into a big lake when you can't swim? Like, not, I don't know. It feels like the spirit is not, that's not what we're talking about, right? So maybe that's a really important thing to speak a bit more to. Um, I mean, either of you. Um, what, it's like, what makes the boldness wise and what makes it foolhardy in, in terms of abundance in the formula, something like that? I mean, from my perspective, you know, I was talking about my own experience, you know, all those times when I was lost and miserable and struggling and helpless, underneath it all, I had I still had a sense of myself and what my values were and what was important to me. You know, I wanted to be kind to other people, to help other people to grow and develop and to be, you know, as a support to others. So those little, those little voices were inside me the whole time. But I had a tremendous amount of fear about expressing them. 
And yeah, I think everybody, to a greater or lesser extent, has a feeling of, of their sense of values and, and an idea of how they might want to express that in the world. But then there's also a lot of scarcity and fear around who we are, our own sense of self, how other people perceive us that can hold us back from do, turning those values into a big action or a small action or doing anything at all with them, right? Expressing ourselves even in the slightest. So for me, the boldness is having that, it's about having the courage to take an action, big, tiny, medium-sized, massive, humongous, whatever it might be, where you listen to your inner voice, you connect with that, and you take that step, and you you know you pick up the firing or you dust off your trainers, and you know this is the this is something that is personally connected for me, and I'm going to step away from all the th- all the things that are screaming inside of me saying don't do this, this is dangerous, this is wrong, this is going to get you judged. In I'm going to put all of those to one side. I'm going to say this is possible. I'm going to express myself. I'm going to do this. And you know, anybody, anybody who's a coach who's listening to this has done that to, to a massive extent because they know there are some values inside of all of us who do this that drive us to do this. Right? We want to help people grow and develop and reach their potential and we'll all express it in our own way. So it takes real boldness to go and do that, right? Because mm-hmm. loads of people in society say, what, what gives you the right to do something you love and enjoy for your living, Right. So it's a little bold to, to make that choice and say, no, I'm going to do something I love. And I also believe it's valuable. And I also believe I can be really capable at that and I can keep, I will commit to it and develop. All of those are very bold choices in my view, Robbie. So is that a helpful kind of answer to your question? Yeah. And what I want to pull out, um, I think that's in there. One of the things that's really in there is that a lot of this is boldness about, pers- you know, and this is not surprise for us, and we can name this as it is, and not everyone would see that, but it's actually boldness about personal transformation. Mm-hmm. You know, in some ways, it's, it's what we're talking about, I think, is the action that leads us to transform. Um, and yes, there are uh, things outside in the world, but if you go back to my, you know, bad um, but stark uh, metaphor, it's like jumping in the in the lake without being able to swim does not help us transform it's going to kill us right and and what does help us transform is something completely different so i think that's that's really nice and lots there's lots more texture in there um phil that we could jump into yeah if you, if you want to go in the lake have the boldness to go and connect to some people and learn how to swim and enjoy that and, right? and, 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 just, and yeah. then go jump in the lake well, and to catch it that's like that's one of the things that has held me back lots in in my life up until the last few years is not being bold enough to risk looking stupid by being a beginner at something. Um, yeah. And I think that that's a really important thing to say. Um, I'm aware, Inga, that we're going to lose you in a few minutes. And so before we do that, um, and then Phil and I are going to have a last little bit of the call, I want to I want to come back to that question that I hinted at before, um, but maybe add a little bit extra onto it. Like, wh- why is this... Why is the abundance formula important to you? And and what are you excited about that's that's coming up in the work that you two are doing together on this? Hmm. Why is it important to me? You know, I'd echo quite a lot of what Phil was um, sharing with us today about this journey of this inner drive and these values of wanting to share what I know. I get, you know, I similarly feel extremely grateful to 
a have the curiosity and the motivation and the opportunities to to learn as much as I have and to experience as much as I have and I would imagine that that drives a lot of coaches to do to do what we do to kind of get to you know I got to a certain stage in my development where I thought that's really great for me but now so what like what for what's it in service of I can read another hundred books and I can improve myself but why and that's kind of where it all ties back to you know Tony Robbins has this model of human needs and he talks about four four needs of the personality and two needs of the spirit and our human spirit has two needs which is learning and growth which I love I absolutely love and the other one is contribution Mm. and it's you know why do we learn and why do we grow so that we can give more we can contribute more we can share more and that's actually in a way it's a selfless act and in a way it's a very selfish act because we all have the need for it and it feels just damn good to be able to contribute and give and, and have that feeling of being important I guess and worthy and of value and and being able to to do something that is valuable and for me it's kind of I'm just so interested in kind of maximizing what I can do and getting the most out of my human existence and learning how this machine works and learning to operate it better and better like I'll I'll love to share that and my mind is very like it loves models and what I love about the abundance formula it for me feels like a meta model like everything fits inside it you want to do anything it's somewhere in the abundance formula you getting stuck on something it's somewhere in the abundance formula either you don't believe you can or you don't see how you can or you're just not doing it um somewhere there is the key and that's what i'm just for me that's it seems simple it's just three words but it kind of encapsulates you know 20 30 40 years worth of learning and knowledge and you know whichever way you look at it you can just find the answers um so that's what's exciting about it for me yeah beautiful and um where for people who are interested where should they look and what have you got you two got coming up when it comes to the abundance formula phil do you want to tell them about the quiz oh yeah um so we one of the things that that we wanted to do is as a real intro to even the mindset thing is to put together a kind of online questionnaire and in that we talk about abundance superpowers so yeah i we kind of sat down and thought about well everybody you know, everybody has real strengths and superpowers that they bring to the world and different people i think you know anybody who's on the coaching journey some people will be your mindset gurus and they'll have a really you know they'll have a strength around the mindset and it might be kind of internal or yeah you know, they might be have a really strong sense of self and belief in themselves or they might be great at like believing that the world is is abundant and rich and possible some people will be possibility experts some people will be boldness experts in different ways so we put together an online questionnaire to fill out and at the end of it you get one of your six you know, one of six abundant superpowers which will call out the, this is a way that you can start to to really leverage your natural capabilities around abundance it'll talk about what you're demonstrating so it might say you're a guru you have a really strong internal mindset and here are some ways that you can use that self-belief in order to kind of put yourself out um, even more and to use that strength of inner belief to start to take that out into the world so yeah i'm 
Robbie, I'm sure you'll post a link to this, but it takes five minutes to fill in. And then afterwards, you, you know, you get your results and there's a bunch of resources and, and kind of follow up that comes your way as well. Yeah, so I'm, I'm a visionary. That's what I came back in mind. Does that, res does that sound like it's working, Phil? You know me pretty well. That sounds pretty spot on, Robbie. I mean, here we are on this thing that you envisioned yeah. and we're on episode 28, right? So that tells me you're pretty good at, you know, seeing the possibilities, bringing people together, making things happen. And that's what visionaries really do. So, you know, this is a really valuable tool, we hope, for people just to, to get a little bit more insight into what the Abundance Formula is all about. Going into the autumn, we are going to run our Living Your Best Life course again, which is the course we've run twice now. It's a three-month program, which has a weekly um, it's a weekly Zoom community that come together. And it's a program to walk through each of the areas of the formula in much more depth. We talk about creating an abundance compass, which allows you to set up the, the life that you're looking to lead and what abundance looks like for you and what are the factors that create abundance. And then we kind of walk through each of the steps to build that pyramid for each person. And we encourage, you know, and we really set it up so that the group supports each other a lot to, to um, you know, embody and take in each of those steps. And that's been such an amazing course. We, I've never been on a program where everyone turns up to every session at the end and say, we want more, more, more. Like it was kind of overwhelming. Uh, the response that we had to the, to the first couple of those. So we want to run it again and open that up to more people um, you know, and and just keep on kind of building our community. Yeah. So those, those are, I think, two of our next steps. Is there anything I missed there, Inga? Those are the main ones. And I would just say, you know, come and dance with us in the field. Come and do the test. Um, if you'd like, join our mailing list as part of that and that there'll be the opportunity to do that. And then, then you're in the field, you know, and... You, We'll keep giving you opportunities to join in as much and as 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 that you as you like. Every now and again, we run open houses, completely free. Come and you know learn and connect with the community. Um, and it, just a point to note: the community. It's like it 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 becomes the formula in action. It's not just a learning community. We're now talking like we're hearing about people partnering up and creating new ventures and initiatives, and you know. It's just, for me, it's so inspiring to see what can happen when you put a bunch of really like-minded individuals together and have these conversations and facilitate these kind of conversations. I mean, it's just mind-blowing. Possibilities are endless. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. So cool to hear about that. So, Inga, we need to say goodbye to you because you have other other things, of course, in a, in a day full of abundance. But thanks so much for for being with us on the show. Um, and yeah, uh, it, the link is theabundanceformula.co. Is that right? That's right. The uh, yeah. yeah, we'll put that obviously wherever anyone's listening to this. But um, yeah, I'm sure there'll be some people curious to check that out. So yeah, thanks so much for being with us. Oh, love it. And can't wait to have you dance in our field even more and more and more. Yeah, mostly so far, I have I've done the quiz and I've added some '90s guitar music to your abundance playlist on Spotify because that's wow. my that's my <laughs> bag. Um, but uh, yeah, but looking forward um, to seeing where all this goes. And uh, yeah, yeah, thanks so much for being Amazing. with us this afternoon. Thank you, guys. See you later. See you soon. Bye. And then Phil, it'll be lovely just before we before we wrap up the call. Well, I guess. 
actually, let's stay with abundance just for a few more minutes. I just want, before we move on from that, you know, because you're, one of the things I love about being in the space with you is your ability to see things and connect things together. And I think that's part of why um, the, the, the coach training you pulled together was so, so useful for me. Uh, it's lovely to hear some of the echoes of, of that and, and the strengths you were using when you made that in the abundance formula. I just wonder, thinking about the kind of people that might be listening um, to this podcast, you know, the, the, the audience, there'll be people who aren't coaches, but knowing that that's a part of why we're, why we're here. Um, is there anything that we haven't talked about? You've done this beautifully as we went. Is there anything we haven't talked about, about the abundance formula that you think is just particularly important for us to pull out for coaches who are listening, who might be in, in the scarcity mindset or might be able to shift into that abundance mindset even more? I mean, I guess you know, I, I sort of alluded a, a bit to my own experience, and we talked about that, that previous podcast as well. Like, for me, you know, what I put into the abundance formula is pretty much all the learnings that I've taken for myself from 15 years of growing a coaching practice. So you know, when I started out, I didn't fully believe in myself as as a coach and the value that I could bring, and I didn't feel confident about myself. Um, and I struggled to get any prospects, and then I really struggled to convert them. You know, like that was all a mindset thing for me. That was all a mindset thing. That was just that there's a, a lot of scarcity. I didn't believe that anybody would really want to work with me. I didn't believe that the possibility, or, you know, that that I was capable of doing this. Yeah, once I started to build a bit of mindset around that, my journey has all been has been all about learning how to create the possibilities. You know, you saw how I ended up working with Inga. Um, I completely forgotten that that was the case. <laughs> but, uh, this is how uh, I've learned over time how to connect things together and how to create possibilities and opportunities for people. So you know, the coaching school brought all of us together, and now we're here doing this podcast on it. For me, if, you know, if you're a, a coach or someone who's in the coaching world and you want to do things around this, what's really important is looking at how you can intersect with other people, understand them, bring them together, create things of value together. You know, and that self-expression we talked about, like when you can express, you can learn how to express that and turn it into possibilities and then intersect that with other people's possibilities, all sorts of things mushroom, right? You know, here you are doing your podcast because you did your coach training. I'm doing the abundance formula. I've done a coaching training organization. Like, you know, th learning to think in that possibility way has kept me going and you know, made my work more and more abundant over the last 15 years because I'm always looking at what's possible here I don't just want to you know I love being a one-on-one -on -one coach but I don't want that to be the the sole constraint on what I do and actually you know, as I said the genesis of this was how do I how do I express myself even more share my learning even more and create more impact and you know this is we talked about the pandemic earlier and the impact it's had yeah, suddenly the penny dropped for me. This whole Zoom video thing is amazing for connecting people. Like our first course that we did, we had people in nine countries on three different continents dialing into every session. And it was kind of mind-boggling, right? You can bring these amazing people together from all over the world who have this shared intention to learn about abundance, support each other, grow, 
And then they were connecting on WhatsApp because the technology allows you to do that. And, you know, we were using a, a kind of Miro board to collect our ideas. And, our, yeah, you can see how learning to think in that creative, generative possibility way just unpicks so much, so much opportunity. And so anybody who wants to learn more about how, how to do that, like the abundance formula is, is I want to share that because it's just fabulous. Like it's, you know, to be able to make these things, to manifest these things into reality, just feels amazing, amazing. Yeah, so so nice, uh, such a good way of, of pulling pulling all that together. Um, so let's let's like segue a little bit um, because it's you know the reason really that we're carrying on this conversation. One of the reasons we're carrying on this conversation after Inga has left is that when I was listening back to our previous conversation recently. Um, you know, it made me realize I wanted to catch up, really. Uh, it was like a beautiful opportunity. Not, not. I mean, for me, yes, it's fun. But also for listeners, it's an interesting opportunity that we've got by speaking again to kind of check in on where you were before and what's happened with your business. And like like, like as we said at the start of the show, it's been an 18 months since we last spoke on the podcast, like no other in the history of humanity. Um, and what an interesting thing to therefore be reflecting on. And, and last time... We spoke, you said towards the end that you were kind of 75, 80% of the way through a transition from, for people who haven't listened, from a a very successful career coaching business to something different, something much more focused on the MDs, CEOs, entrepreneurs who are in the startup to scale up phase of their business. And I just wonder if you could, you know, what's it been like as a really open question over the last 18 months as you've moved into that last 25, 20% of that shift? Oh, that, well, that's, I mean, even to hear that is like really interesting because, you know, 18 months can, particularly in, in COVID times, can feel like about 10 years. It, it feels like that feels like about 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what does my world look like today? So, in terms of my practice, yeah, I'm, I'm 100% of the, of the way through that transition. Yeah, I've got now a portfolio of about 10 businesses that, I support um, some of them. It's just working with the founder, the founder MD CEO person, uh, because they're in an early startup phase to help them learn how to lead, to think strategically, you know, their pathway to whatever exit they're looking for, and, and accelerating that along the journey. Some of them are much more sophisticated, scale-up style businesses because all my all my businesses are somewhere on the journey, startup scale-up. And I'm working with, you know, maybe the founder or the CEO and then some of the leadership team. And we're doing some one-on-one coaching. And we're also doing some kind of group work and looking at how they work together more effectively as a team. And even potentially there's a, there's a few bits of consulting work we're doing around building culture or how to deliver high quality output and what that looks like within, within a growing business. So, yeah, the, the transition is absolutely complete. Yeah, I, I love it. Yeah. You probably heard me talking about impact quite a few times on this conversation. And for me, moving from that one-on-one career coaching space, which has individual impacts, to working with organizations where there's the collective impact of the people within the business, and then there's the impact of these businesses on the world. And a lot of the, you know, most of the businesses I'm working with are doing really cool stuff. You know, they're sending people on adventure yachting holidays. They're helping people connect through creating personalized cards and, and presents. You know, they're supporting charities and nonprofits to, you know, 
engage their stakeholders more effectively. So I, you know, I love the businesses that I'm helping to grow. I'm seeing the impact on the teams and you know, the way that they work together and the way that they lead each other and, and connect. And then I'm seeing the impact on the world. Um, so yeah, my practice, I, I'm absolutely loving it. And making that, taking that risk and being bold again really worked out for me. Yeah, and um, we touched on when we spoke at length in episode two about the importance of, I guess, you know, your values around self-care and your life and having your life right you know, as uh, to be supported and and intertwined with your business in a way that felt really good. And one of the things that we were, you were, again, this might be cool for you to hear back that you were exploring then was um, what's the, what's the balance? You know, how does it look? How many clients can I engage with now that I'm engaging with them in this different way? And I'm, I'm wondering what you've learned about that in the last year or or so. Well, that's a good question. Um, Definitely that those principles are very much still at the forefront of the way that I go about things. You know, hearing Inga's experience was, was really interesting of kind of doing the Tony Robbins fire hose and then burning out. Um, yeah, I definitely think for the kind of yeah, the kind of clients that I work with and the sort of engagement that you're looking for, you have to be on the towards the Tony Robbins end of the scale in terms of being you have to really lead the conversations. You have to be very much on top of where things are going. You, you've got to help them own that big objective that they're working towards, you know, the, the grand vision of the business, the exit, whatever it might be, and make sure that everything you're doing is additive to that and you know, a, a catalyst in the best way possible to get them there. So you really have to be on top of your game. So, you know, at the moment, I am more or less keeping Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to serve my clients which is probably two, three, maximum four sessions a day of, of one-on-one service. <coughs> and then maybe throwing in a workshop here or there. Thursday is my kind of creative passion projects day. So that's when the abundance formula comes into play. I've also, in the last six months, started doing an associate model because I'm getting so much so many requests for work from my existing clients and from new people that I, I just don't have the space, the capacity to service anymore. So I started building that up and I'm using Thursdays to do that. And then Friday is well, Friday's golf day at the moment. <laughs> so I go and play golf and then I often come back and do a bit of work or something creative and fun or you know, write something for the abundance formula. Then I go and hang out with my kids and then it's the weekend and the weekend is is the weekend. So that's that's definitely for joy and, and fun and, and relaxation and spending time with the people I care about. So yeah, it's yeah, I feel again, I feel incredibly fortunate. I feel very abundant um in the way that that things are now. And it's it's not like this is a miracle, you know, some kind of magic thing that's happened overnight. It takes a lot of thought. And I actually you said to me in the email for setting this up that you're now working three one one, and we had a session where, you know, you were the client and we were working around that, and I, I've basically stolen your idea and now doing three one one, and I've forgotten that we actually did that. So. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. It's, it's only just happened basically. You know, for listeners, this was Phil coaching me as part of a training. It was like a, a demo for a, for some coaching training, and 
yeah, it, it emerged for me that really what I wanted was three days of coaching work, one day to work on those, uh, you know, my, it's called my creativity days is what it says in my calendar, but it is exactly, it's very similar to what you described. And then at some point I knew I didn't want to work five days a week. And I chose the break of paternity leave as the chance to kind of, because my calendar got pretty empty. You know, I shut the business for that, it, you know, like, then it was obvious that there was an opportunity to do that and a really good reason because there's a small girl somewhere else in this flat who, yeah, who it's course. great to spend spend time with on that day. Um, and, you know, like, I would point out to you, Robbie, that you know, this is an example of the abundance formula in action again, right? Because if your mindset says you have to work five days a week or your mindset says the world is scarce and you can't make enough money from coaching to not work full time, then the, even the possibility of, of doing something different can't exist. If you change your mindset to say, well, I need to have balance. I want to do high quality work. I want to work with clients who where I really create impact. <coughs> then you can move into the space of possibility. So well, what could I do with this? How can I make that work? You know, for me, moving from career coaching clients, that B2C market into the B2B market of working with organizations there's a, you know, there's a different revenue model and different pricing that comes into play. So you can you can value your time different, you know, at, at a higher level, which then opens up the potential for, well, how much do you want to do and what does time freedom look like and, and what does financial, you know, abundance look like for you? And you can start playing with those possibilities and find what works for you. And, you know, then it's actually having the boldness to say, well, I've been doing this thing for five years and it's been working really well. I'm going to effectively end that and start something completely different and then start two new things on top of that. <laughs> you know, it, that's that's the boldness, right? But, but for me, that's what brings the juice in life. And that's the massive opportunity that I see you know, in, in sharing this abundance formula with other people because that opportunity is there. When we understand what we really want, set up the mindset for it and get the self-expression, you can then be bold about starting to bring that into your life. And God, like, yeah, I don't want to sound like an you know, arrogant idiot. It takes so much, it takes a lot of work. It's really scary and it's difficult. Um, and there are, you know, a thousand people I need to credit along my journey who've kept me on the straight and narrow when I was, you know, in, in really difficult places and not able to do it for myself. And it's a lot of work. That, that I've had to do and what I enjoyed doing. And it's an ongoing piece of work to stay there. Like we said, we can all have days when we think, well, really? Who, yeah, who are you kidding, right? Like, this can't be real. And this is going to fall apart. And you might as well go back to, you know, whatever safety is. So, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's the formula in action. It's showing that you've got to keep, always got to keep working it, right? You've always got to keep working at it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think that feels like a, you know, just a really beautiful place to to bring the conversation to a close. It does feel like to me, those, those things that you just pulled out in that, in, in the last thing you said are, are just so important. You know, if we, if we have that vision and we keep doing our work on our mindset and we, you know, it, one of the absolute, you know, one of the biggest shifts that I've had is, is just when I realized you can make this stuff up. No, I mean you can you can make up how a coaching business works. Oh yeah, you can do whatever you want. And that when you realize that, you can, you know, the possibilities become endless because you can make them up, and that's quite a exciting place to be. It's difficult sometimes as well because you realize you have to make it up if you want it to happen. But it's like 
it's it's way preferable even the difficult things about abundance and there are problems of abundance that we that we all come across even the difficult things i think are, are much better than the the terrible trench of scarcity yeah that's right and you know like we said if you if you want to go swim in the beautiful lake and you don't know how to swim then you maybe have to do all the work to go learn how to swim and get some support and other people to help you and that's you know that's one of the things i i feel that we all do in this coaching world this coaching community is we want to help people to swim so they can go swim in their beautiful mountain lake right and not and not drown as a consequence yeah but also more more than not drown as a consequence it, it, like not be the like mi- not miss out on being able to swim in a beautiful lake because they're too scared like i have been in many things in my life to learn right that that's just as bad in some ways as yeah, well, that's even worse it's another kind I'm of not, death isn't it i'm not even knowing that the lake exists yeah that's the possibility right yeah absolutely wow yeah, metaphorical man it's perfect amazing phil is that before we bring the call to a close is, is there anything else that feels important to share or anything that's been in your mind through this call that that you want to catch before we before we say goodbye i mean the only thing i the, the one question i would ask you robbie is we did our last conversation 18 months ago what have you what have you learned over the last 18 months <laughs> good question Well, I think that the personal journey that I've been on is is one about trust. And so to make it, you know, one of the things I wrote down during this um during this call is um scarcity equals a thinking thing, question mark. Mm. Um that's certainly what it you know feels like to me that when I, a bit like when we're talking about coaching, so the, the big shift that you described in my coaching came when I stopped thinking, essentially. Suddenly, my coaching was a lot better. Now, you can't skip the thinking phase. That's Inga's um, conscious competence piece, I think, or, or one, one yeah, of those. That's like, right. That's right. Like, you can't skip that bit. You have to go through it. And the point where you let go and trust more is where um, the power in the coaching comes. And for me, I would say this has been on my personal growth radar, like the, the, the struggle that I've been working on for, I mean, at least three years, four, but it's been, it's been a big part of the, of the last 18 months. And I mean, the other thing, you know, yeah, so that's been going on. I think that's been a big one. And then, you know, I've learned so much from being a dad um, and I've, <laughs> and then here's the last, here's the last interesting thing. So, um, maybe interesting. Let's see if it is when I say it. So I've had this interesting shift, um, and I'll probably, I'm sure I'll talk about it more on, on the podcast at some point when I, when it's kind of further. But you know, one of the the trust things has been I've kind of known where I was going to take my work and what I was going to like the themes of it for the next phase because I feel like I'm coming to the end of a. Maybe we talked in the first episode that we did about the seven year itch right maybe mm. i am at that stage not quite seven years with coaching but if we go to the start of my career change we're kind of over seven years now it's like what's going to happen in that next phase and what's been interesting is to see that i've kind of known those things for a while and then for some reason perhaps because of the work on trust that they feel different um and that it no i think it probably is a scarcity abundance shift it's it, you know because most if you if we've got we've got that beautiful lens that we've been in it's the scarcity of I can only choose a certain number of ways of working or things I can work on, or I might get it wrong. 
right? If I choose the wrong thing to focus on my business for the next few years, I might get the wrong one. And then, you know, on some level, I'll die is, is, is where I might <laughs> oh, go. No. If, you, if you dig enough into me, right? It's like, yeah, I'll be humiliated. I'll run out of money and I'll be abandoned and I'll die. Um, and instead, abundance, right? Which is, ah, well, I can just start working on the things that I'm interested in and 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 see where those things roll out. And, and of course, they're the things that I've always been interested in to some extent, their creativity and leadership and and coaching. And, and that's, you know, really why we're here. What a beautiful answer. Yeah, you know, why I hear there is, you know, trust yourself, trust the universe. And in that space, everything is possible. And you can go and express yourself and create. And there's, you know, with that trust in place, there's, there's no downside. It's only ab- abundant and upside. So I, I think that's one a wonderful place to be working towards. I'd love to hear that. And yeah, I'd also say that I know you're a relatively new dad. Um, you know, the trust thing as a parent is the biggest thing. You've got to, because when you get a kid, you don't get an instruction manual. <laughs> so you've got to yeah. trust yourself that your instincts are good, right? So it's a, there's a big learning you can get there as well. And you'll see that you, you, know, you consistently have that human intuition to do the right thing. Um, and it, it's, it takes a long time to actually trust yourself. Yeah, I, actually, I, even though I don't technically know what I'm doing, I actually do already know what I'm doing. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and wrapped up in there, the, the last thing which just came up as you were talking, you know, I've heard someone say before their children are their best coach or, or you know, something like that. And one of the things that, like I said, I so people should check this out if they haven't read it. It's a beautiful book by Robert Holden, whose work I've been in quite quite a lot in the last year, called Lovability. Um, and it's just about, it's a book about love. Um, and so that's been in my mind a lot. And there's no more, uh, for me, there's been, you know, I, what an amazing piece of love that I have and experience of love. And so uh, Leah has also been great for bringing me back to that a lot. Um, amazing, amazing. What a gem, Robbie. Yeah. What? Yeah, Phil, thanks for that question um, and for all your generosity with your time today. Um, to, to date this call, I don't mind calls being um, dated. Some people like to keep their podcasts really evergreen. One of the reasons we need to finish now is because it's not too long until England will play Germany in the last 16 of, of, of Euro 2021. I don't know how much you are. I don't know how much you're into football these days, but are you like, how are you approaching England having to play Germany? Is this one of the few times when it's good to approach with a scarcity mindset, which is that the Germans always win, so at least then you can't be disappointed? Oh, oh that's a really good question. <laughs> um, Maybe we need another two hours to think about that. I mean, I, I think, yeah, looking back historically at some of England's football's kind of biggest collapses you know, in, the, in the heat of the moment in the penalty shootouts, like definitely they could do with a bit of abundance formula in their life. Yeah. And I, I think they've been working on You can kind of see that over the last few years, that they've been building up their mentality and starting to believe that they can actually beat a team like Germany. Um, so it makes it more it makes it more possible that it could actually happen. I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, and or I'll edit this out and I'll put in you predicting six nil win if it was a six nil win. Yeah, I'm going to turn into you know Paul, Paul the predicting octopus here. If I get this right, then you're going to be asking me before every match forever. Absolutely. So I'm not I'm not going to make a prediction. I'm just going to enjoy. I'm just going to enjoy the game. That's a, that's that's the true abundance of it, right? It's, it's going to be a ten out of ten game regardless of the result. Absolutely. Amazing. Phil, thanks so much. Robbie, it's an absolute pleasure and a joy. Thank you for having having me and Inger on. 
Hello everyone, Robbie here again. Thanks so much for listening to that um, that episode with Inga and Phil about the abundance formula and about them and, and their work more widely, of course. Um, the fact that you're here all the way at the end tells me that you probably enjoyed it, um, in which case I wanted to let you know about some ways that you can support the podcast and also potentially a way that you can work with me, the most affordable, flexible way that I offer to work with me. Um, and it's a great time to join that. Um, and that is the Coach's Journey community. So this is a way uh, a way of working. I described this a bit in episode 18, I think it is, but but the that I designed to make working with me for coaches affordable and really flexible. So membership of the community, and it's a, essentially it's a, an open-ended group coaching program. You can join and leave whenever you like. Um, and it starts from as little as £10 a month um, and goes up to about £100 a month. And depending on which level you join, you get to come to a certain number of group coaching calls a year with other amazing coaches led by me um, and maybe even have some one-on-one work if you're in that full membership level, which costs, like I say, about £100 a month. Um, it's great. We've been running for uh, almost a year now. It started last November. And so we've had people arrive. We've had people leave. We've got some new members signed up, um, ready to join uh, the call in September. And that call um, on the 7th of September is a call for all members. That means if you sign up at the £10 a month uh, gold level, then you can come to that call. And if you don't like it, you can leave and won't be a member anymore. And that's um, uh, at some point I'll record an episode about what it's like to have clients just appearing and disappearing without me even really knowing. Um, but that's the way it works. And I love that that's the way it works. And it means you can really choose how much you want to engage, how much support you want to get, and when you want to stop getting that support too. So um, you can find out loads more about that at thecoachesjourney.com slash community. And you can sign up via Patreon at patreon.com slash thecoachesjourney. Um, that Patreon page is also where you can become a supporter of the podcast. Um, that's where you get um, things like a monthly update video, advanced notice of guests, the chance to uh, put questions to guests. You'll hear of, you'll hear me, you'll in, including in this episode, mention questions from the from the community, and that includes um, supporters of the podcast. So you can just spend some money and get those things in return, and know that you're keeping this podcast going. You're helping me create it. Um, I should say also that all those supporter benefits you get at the equivalent level of the community. So if you might want to both ask questions of guests and get coaching from me, it could be that the community is the right place to go. Um, you can read loads more about that at thecoachesjourney.com and on the Patreon page, patreon.com slash thecoachesjourney. But of course, in some ways, the most important thing you can do is if you've loved this podcast, share it with somebody. Um, if you like this podcast as a whole, uh, you know, write a review if you're on iTunes, click, you know, click a rating for the podcast, follow the podcast wherever you're listening and, and that kind of thing. And all those things help new people find the show. Um, so thanks again so much for listening. Thanks for supporting me and this thing that I'm making. Um, and uh, look forward to seeing you for our next episode at the start of September. And we've got some, some great episodes coming up. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Mm-hmm.